listeners, and welcome back to Next Steps with me, your host, Natalie Morris. Today, we have a familiar face returning to the podcast, and of course, we're going to go through our life updates, a short topic, searching for jobs, and a closure for what you can expect next time. But without further ado, I'd love to reintroduce John. Hi, everybody. Hi, listeners. Um, My name is John. And I've been here before, but if you don't know who I am, just like Natalie, I'm also a music education major at CSU, and we are both in the midst of almost completing our student teaching, which is kind of scary. And Natalie, we are at the same school district right now. Yes, I've moved to my second placement, so now I am with John And that is just so exciting. And if you don't remember John, you can remember him from episode six, which was fun and games with John and Everett, where we really had a lot of fun. And that was before we started student teaching. So John hasn't been on the podcast in quite some time. Yeah, it's definitely been a minute and I'm I'm really excited to be back. And I think we're all different people, even though it's only been like two months, but student student teaching does something to you, man. This is true. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like a lot more of an adult and at the same time, a lot less of an adult, but all around, it's just a very interesting experience. It just feels like this weird ambiguity that's just floating through time of like, well, I'm a student, but also a teacher, but don't have my own job yet. But that's okay because no one else does. (laughs) Exactly. That's exactly how it feels. (laughs) So for our life updates, John and I were just talking about how we are in our second placement and we're in new places for teaching. And we were talking about how, you know, I'm currently up in Longmont now because my teaching placement is in Niwot. And that means I just have about 15 to 20 minutes of a drive, which is really fantastic, especially with these gas prices that are just kind of, you know, inching up and up and up and up. But John, you were telling me how far away you have to drive every day. Yeah, so I still live in Fort Collins, and so I make like about a 45-minute drive every day to Longmont. And luckily, I did like I found a road that has like little to no traffic at all in the morning, which is really really nice. But it just means I have to wake up even earlier, which is fine, but it's also not fine. Yeah, what time do you have to end up getting up, or what time do you have to get up in the morning? So at my last placement, it was only 20 minutes away. I got up at 5.30. And now just because of my time anxiety, I get up at 5. And it just gives me a little bit of buffer time after getting ready, getting my lunch ready, making sure I'm okay to just breathe for a second before I leave. But after we had a concert a few weeks ago, and the morning after the concert, I like woke up way too late. And I was like, we just got to throw something in a bag and walk out the door. <laughs> Man, I know that feeling. I've created a few habits um, that assumingly would help me get out the door faster. Like as soon as I make my dinner, like I'll eat dinner and then I'll just pack leftovers right then and there. So then lunch is ready for the next day. And I try to set my clothes out the day before. So in my previous placement, I had to wake up around 5.30 or 5 in the morning just because like you, I have that time anxiety that I want to make sure I have enough time to get ready, enough time to actually wake up. I did kind of stretch it to 6 a.m. once, and I just could not get myself awake. It felt like I was a walking zombie practically all day at school. So I really started getting up early, and now that I've kind of gotten to Longmont and I've had one week of teaching here, 
I have not been following through with that habit here just because it's so later. Like I had to be at the middle school around 645 at the earliest. And I have to be at the elementary school around 815 at the earliest, sometimes 745. So it's a major time difference. And I'm trying to still continue that waking up early because I want to instill some healthy habits like my physical therapy exercises for my back strain that happened in early February and things like that. So I can actually have time to do them and do them on a regular basis. And I'm trying to do that because I'm convincing myself that that's what like the main character would do in the film. You know, they would consistently do their physical therapy exercises and drink their smoothies and things like that. I love that hero's journey for you. And I think that's great. I think, so I thought about this yesterday and I want to attempt it. I'm going to use that word very loosely, but I think I'm going to wake up even earlier now and go on a very, very short run now that the sun is up a little earlier just to like wake up a little bit faster, which I think will be kind of fun. And just to like do a little bit more exercise, like the week before, I guess now two Fridays ago, uh, we had like an assembly at the end of the day and it was a staff first students basketball game with our middle schoolers. Wow. And at first, I was just like, oh, yeah, these middle schoolers are, like, four feet tall, so this will be fine. <laughs> we had, like, a teacher's huddle right before the game, and everybody was like, oh, we're going to try, like, hard. So, like, I was just, like, pushing kids, I was swatting <laughs> balls out of kids' hands, and then, like, just there was so much running up and down the court. I was like, wow, I am out of shape. <laughs> Honestly, me too. And part of me really, 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 really hates running. Like, absolutely detest it. But there was one summer right after high school when I was working um, before college, and every day I would wake up and I would go for, like, a jog, and then I would take a shower and go to work. Um, And that's a really cool thing. I don't think I could do it anymore. At my previous placement, I was going to the gym after school, which was a really great thing for me to kind of decompress from the day and, and shift into more of a relaxed evening type feel. Here, I don't know that I will do that simply because I'm less familiar with the area. I think maybe I'll start off with a few walks, but another habit that I'm really trying to encourage myself to get back into is practicing my instrument because since the concerto competition, I've really kind of let that go by the wayside. So my mom actually came up with a great idea. I was talking with her about this over spring break and she said, every three months you should post a video of you performing on YouTube. And in my brain, that equates to like me going through an etude, like a rose etude. They're really traditional for a lot of woodwinds, right? And just sitting and recording myself playing it. I don't have to be in fancy attire. I don't have to be, you know, anything fancy. But it could be fun to have a goal to just put something out there and keep myself playing. Because that's something that I've always seen myself doing 20 years down the line. I could never see myself giving up my performance. No, I am definitely on the same boat as you, like, performing even though like we're music education majors performing is still like a huge part of what I loved in college like so so much and especially not owning a lot of the equipment that I want to play is like so weird and just like not sitting in a practice room for like three hours next to a marimba all day and so like tonight after a rehearsal I think I'm just going to go to the UCA and just play something like on a marimba because I miss my marimba. (laughs) Would you tell us (laughs) your marimba? Yeah. Would you tell us what exactly you're rehearsing for? Yes. So I just recently joined the health and wellness orchestra 
in Fort Collins, which is a community orchestra. And I only learned this a couple of days ago. The reason they're called the Health and Wellness Orchestra is because when they were founded in the late 2000s, the only rehearsal space they could find was in a hospital in Fort Collins. So they called themselves the Health and Wellness Orchestra. That's so cute. Yeah, right? And so like a few weeks ago, um, I subbed in on a part and played some snare drum. And then I was just like, I need more playing opportunities. So I talked with the conductor. And so I'm going to be playing a lot of percussion, but also some violin, which will be really, really fun. That's awesome. I'm so glad to hear that. I actually have something to share with you. Ooh, now I'm excited. I mean, I'm always excited. (laughs) I have acquired a violin. Yay. (laughs) So listeners. (laughs) What? Are you going to whip it out on the podcast? Yes. Yes, I am. Because I have to show you this violin. So the circumstances behind this, you can hear me unzipping the case now. Um, my family friend that I'm staying with, her name is Rhonda and her daughter used to play a violin and her daughter is not going to use the violin anymore. So, you know, and her daughter's like, I don't know, 30 something. Um, so she gave it to me because she couldn't think of anybody who was, you know, would use it more. Right. So this violin is, I knew it was going to be black. I saw the the brand on the case and I'm like, I know it's going to be black. It is a sparkly black violin. Okay, and it's probably really out of tune because I haven't touched it for a week because I haven't been here, but I did manage to get it in tune last time I was up here. <laughs> that E string is really showing something other than being an E. Mm-hmm, yep. Oh, that's really cool, though. Yeah, so this is a, the new addition to my instrument collection. So, and the, the very, one of the first things I did with the elementary schoolers was actually show them my clarinet and I gave them a demo on how to put it together and how I made sounds on it and things like that. And they were so interested. And I think now I'm going to have a whole own elementary school of people that want to play clarinet. (laughs) (laughs) So I think I'm going to go talk to the music store and see if I can borrow some other woodwinds and brass instruments to show at least the fifth graders, because they haven't had the opportunity to see other instruments and play with the pandemic and things like that. So yeah. I'm going to go no. talk to the music stores and see if they'll let me borrow some instruments to demo for the kids. That, that's a really good idea. I tried doing a similar thing with my fifth graders, but no music store was going to They like around the area was like, we're good actually. And oh. I was like, Oh, how sad. But that is sad. So I, just, like, I just showed them like videos and like fun, like, activities to do based off of each instrument and they had fun with it but it's definitely not the same as like putting a physical object in their hands yeah yeah I guess we'll have to see the the teachers I spoke to felt pretty positive that somebody would loan me some instruments but it is a really big ask to take you know several instruments away from you know a store without purchasing them or something like that so I guess podcast listeners I'll keep you updated on how that project goes and you'll just like bust out your violin chops now. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to practice. <laughs> <laughs> well, other than me moving up to Longmont, um, I, I don't know if I've told the podcast how many creatures I live with. So there's Rhonda. <laughs> and Rhonda's not a creature. She's an awesome human being. And I'm so grateful that she's letting me stay here with her. And she has one cat. His name is Izzy. And he's a sweet cat. Um, four dogs. Two ferrets four birds and seven chickens and everybody but the chickens lives inside the house 
I think my allergies would be going crazy. <laughs> I am so, lucky that I don't have any pet allergies. So that's good. So props to you. You're surviving. You're I living surviving. the dream that we all wish we could. <laughs> I told some of the kids in a transitional moment that, you know, I live with a lot of creatures and I started listing off how many and I was surprised, but I really shouldn't be by how many kids were like, oh, I have chickens or oh, I have a lot of animals at home. And I was like, well, you know, we probably do live in more of the farming country type places here. Yeah. No, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, other things that are new, um, I just had spring break, like I said. So I went home to Colorado Springs and that was a lot of fun to just kind of relax. I started binging a new TV show called The Mindy Project. <laughs> I've never heard of it before. Sorry, that was a very silent move. <laughs> I was curious as to what your reaction would be. <laughs> I've never heard of it. Yeah. Actually, Megan, who was on the podcast not too long ago, had recommended it to me. So I started watching that. And it's been fun just to kind of, you know, entertain my brain. Other things, I'm I'm starting to think about ways to create passive income through the skills I already have. So I'm thinking about starting a Teachers Pay Teachers site or posting some printables on Etsy. I actually did create some practice cards on Canva where, you know, there's a spot for the student name, a number of hours practiced and this parent signature. I honestly don't know if I will get any bite on that type of product. So we'll see. I don't think it would be a bad thing to start up anyway, because it could be fun to just add some things that teachers would, would like later. Well, and it's just like, a nice thing to add to like your tool belt of stuff that you like you'll create as a teacher when you have your own job you're absolutely like, oh, i want to like pull out practice schedules oh look i already made the most student teaching yes yes and i think that's going to be really awesome in the future as well trying to trying to make those smart money moves so we don't end up becoming poor teachers <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't that be nice yeah and one thing that's been really nice lately is I've started donating plasma, which has been a very interesting experience so far. Um, not only does it really help people because they use plasma donation for creating new medicines for people who really need that help because plasma can't be created artificially. It has to be created from a human. So I've been donating plasma to help people who really need these life-saving medicines. But another really great side effect of it is it's really helping my bank account during student teaching when I don't really have a whole lot of opportunity to work a normal job. And I know there are some people like Katie St. Jemay Pate who are working jobs during student teaching, and I applaud those people because it's so difficult. Um, but I've started doing this and it's just been a very interesting thing. I started up this last, this past week, um, during spring break. Oh, that's very awesome. And I think just like, I love the way that you put it, like passive ways of earning money with skills that you already have. So it's not super high stress. It can just be something for you, but also something for your bank account, which we love to see. We do love to see it. <laughs> But John, I'm so excited to have you back on the podcast, and I'm so excited to see your face again. I feel like it's been too long. I know I ran into you in Fort Collins, very surprisingly, when I was up there for the concerto competition. Yeah, I totally, I completely forgot about that until just now. It's been so long. February feels like ages ago. And like I was just having a meeting with my cooperating teacher. We were planning for the week, and we were just like, it's April in like four days. Honestly, and that's what was surprising me. I was I was talking to my grandparents recently, 
And I was mentioning how jobs really start opening up in April. And then I looked at my watch and realized today, the day we're recording is Sunday, March 27th. And Uh April is so close, which makes me excited and nervous. (laughs) So like I was on spring break this last week too, because we're in the same district, high five over Zoom. Yeah. And I like went home and I was hanging out with my parents for a little for a couple of days and I was talking with my mom and she's like showing me her calendar of all the stuff she's gonna do and then I like looked at the calendar and I was like oh crap my birthday is actually a lot sooner than I thought I haven't even had time to think about it and I was like whoa so yeah everything is moving fast and I'm like checking district pages to see when jobs are opening up like every day now yeah every day spring break was nice for that And honestly, I think that's a great segue into our topic for today. That's a wonderful segue. All right. Well, we're going to get into our topic, which is job applications and job search. But before we do, John, would you like to provide us an update on your student teaching? Yes. So a few weeks ago, I started my, I guess almost three weeks ago now, I started my secondary placement. And... It's been such a wild ride because I really miss my elementary kiddos already so much. And they made me like so many cards and like gifts before I left. And I think the cutest card that I got was from a second grader who she clearly didn't know what student teaching was because she wrote me a card that just says, have a great retirement. (laughs) And I was like, what's happening here insert name <laughs> and i like i showed that to my cooperating teacher who is like close to retirement and she's like i never get those kind of cards at the end of the year <laughs> um that's hilarious yeah. oh my gosh elementary kids crack me up they give me so much energy oh wow like, but i'm i'm super excited to be at my second placement it's a The school itself is a PK through eight school, but I'm just working with sixth, seventh and eighth grade band, which like, I love middle schoolers to death, but band is so out of my comfort zone. Mm. I was an orchestra kid in middle school and high school. And like, I never did concert band until college. And even then I was in the percussion section, which is very different. But so far it's been like a really wonderful experience. Um, The past couple of weeks though, I've just been like, very praxial we had a concert right before break so it was just like a lot of rehearsing and practicing and things like that but I sat down with my mentor teacher today and we like worked on like a whole plan of how we're going to structure things and it's like it's super exciting because I think I would have loved this different kind of teaching that we're doing when I was in middle school and I already feel very comfortable at this placement because of who my mentor teacher is Um, My mentor teacher was our very first professor of music education when Natalie and I started at CSU and the rest of the senior class right now. Yeah, he was great. It was Dr. Johnson was on sabbatical, um, and I think he did some really awesome things during sabbatical, but this guy was was filling in for him, and honestly, it was a really great time. Mm -hmm. We actually share a favorite study space in the UCA. That's a random fact. (laughs) yeah and i don't i'm just gonna name drop him because i don't think he'll mind his name is sebastian adams and he's like the coolest ever 
And I remember our very first day of class, we were waiting to walk inside of room 136 and none of us knew each other. We had no idea what was going on. And he walked in to the hall, he walked up to the hallway and he like started saying hi to people and he already knew their names. And I was like witnessing this from a little bit of a distance. He hadn't said hi to me yet. I'm like, How does he know everybody's names? Yet? <laughs> and then he like came up to me and he's like, hi, John. I'm like, hi. <laughs> And Way to I'm be like, intimidated, right? <laughs> right? And I'm like, and then like we all asked him, like, how do you know our names? And he's like, Oh, I have this little app with your CSU pictures on them. So I practiced. I'm like, that is like the kindest thing ever. I was telling John before this podcast started that one of the things I was going to do over spring break was try to learn the names of my students a little bit better because I've been at my placement for one week and there's a lot of kids at the elementary school. And so I actually got the picture cards from the front office or, you know, pages of, of names and photos. And I was going to go ahead and review those. Um, and I have a little bit of homework to do tonight because I definitely did not do very much of that over spring break. There was a lot more relaxing going on than there was studying. <laughs> well, I mean, that's definitely a very healthy thing, but I definitely get you, like you see every single student in an elementary school. And at my elementary placement, I was at two separate schools. And so I had 22 classes of students to learn names of. And Crazy. it, some days it was great. Some days I'm like, I don't know your name, bro. <laughs> like luckily, like, especially the older students, they were very forgiving and stuff, but no, it's tough. Yep. I'm just doing a lot of reinforcement so far. You know, I'll call on a student to answer a question and I'll say, say your name and then your answer. And so I'll always repeat that student's name. And actually I've been most successful with the kindergartners so far. Um, and I'm not sure exactly why. I think it's because I see them a little bit more frequently than I do the other classes. So there's that to be thinking about. But, yeah. No, so Sebastian, he like, he uses people's names so frequently when he talks to them. And so like, I get to hear him use those names of the students really, really frequently. And like, I have the same thing that you got from your front office of like, the page of all of your students with their pictures on them. And like while I'm teaching, like I was up at the podium rehearsing, I had my music on one side and like the the roster on one side because like I want to be able to use those names and it like it like it seems like a small thing, but it makes those students feel so special when you use their name. And they're yeah. like, Oh my god, this new person walking in already knows my name, which is really cool. Yeah. And Going through the music education program, you know, using student names was something that they always looked for in your teaching, right? And our peer teaching, did you use the student names? And that's so easy, you know, when you're in the peer teaching scenario, because you can look at your friend, John, who's sitting three rows in front of you all the time, and you know him forever. Like, you've been teaching with him for at least two years now. Yeah. And so you know him really well. And then actually getting into the field and doing it there's that, I feel like there's that first hurdle that you have to jump over of learning the students' names. Once you've got them, like that can be something you do all the time, you know? Yeah. It's, it's like, it's literally just practicing. That's yeah. All it is. So listeners, if you didn't discern that already, John is coming from his elementary placement and he has now started his secondary placement, which is so great. Uh, John, what are the differences you've noticed between the two age groups? Do you find any challenges kind of adjusting to a new situation like that? Um, there's definitely a lot of different challenges in terms of like their age and just where they are in their developmental process is really different. And I can like 
legitimately see how the pandemic has now impacted different age range of students seeing elementary into middle school and seeing like where some of their gaps in learning are, maybe where some of their gaps in their social interactions can be and things like that. But the biggest difference that I've noticed for my two placements is just like the demographic. It, like where my elementary placement was, it was like pretty high socioeconomic status and a lot of, it wasn't a very diverse community, but at my new school, um, it's a, like a very struggling community, about 90%, if I think around that, um, are students of color and students who English is not their first language, which is like a culture shock because that's not what we experienced in Fort Collins working around CSU, also where like I've observed outside and just where I grew up in Denver. It's very, very different. but getting to hear these students' stories and like what the things mean to them are is really, really special. And like, that's the fastest way that I've built connections with a lot of these um, newer students is like, not necessarily about the band thing, but learning about like what their experience was and things like that, which has been super awesome. Like when we have new students coming in like pretty frequently, we had a new student come in just a few weeks ago who's new to the country and he doesn't speak any English. Wow. And it's definitely like a learning curve. And I started learning Duolingo back in February to like using Duolingo to learn Spanish. And it's helped a little bit, but like these kids just have like, they still just have like the biggest hearts ever, despite like all the stuff that they've gone through and like probably still go through every single day. Yeah, that's a really big change and it's, and it's really wonderful that they have you as their student teacher. And I know that you're not like, you know, their teacher, but in many ways, your student teacher is one of your teachers. And I feel that if you can be that person who relates to them, that connection is going to happen even faster and things yeah. like that. You know, in, in my experience with my elementary placement, the demographic is a little bit different for sure. I would still say there's a higher um, socioeconomic range in in both my placements there have been um, but this school specifically i'm able to interact more with some of the special needs kids. so there's a big autism program in this elementary school that i'm working at and it's really exciting to get to interact with some of those kiddos when they come in for music and that's really been great and i didn't get a lot of that experience at the middle school that i was at simply because you know there was less less engagement with that type of group in the band setting which is unfortunate but I also have been seeing the impact that the pandemic has had on certain groups of students. Significantly, actually, the kindergartners show a lot of that in, in their behavior. They haven't learned a lot of social skills. And you would think in, you know, mid-March, they'd have a lot of stuff figured out about rules and like how to walk in a straight line in the hallway. But these kids still really struggle with all of that. And I think it's because they didn't get those two years of socialization before you know, they maybe didn't have the chance to go to a daycare or maybe they didn't have a chance to go to preschool. So the fact that they didn't get any of that kind of socialization group work has been challenging. And that's kind of been a, a school wide thing is everyone's struggling with the kindergartners this year. So hopefully, you know, it'll click in their brains before the school year ends. Yeah, I had a very similar experience to kindergarten at one of my schools that you just described. It was a lot of like, oh, we, we just need to relearn this or learn it for the first time. And when the kids came to music, I don't know how, but I like managed to earn the nickname at my school, 
among the teachers called the kindergarten whisperer <laughs> because there's a particular class that they're just like flat out out of control a lot of the time with their behavior, the things that they'll say and do. But I think like the presence that like I wanted to bring into the music classroom was always very calm. And I'm also, I was also the only male teacher in that entire school. Crazy. And so like that definitely took a lot of time for the kindergartners to adjust, but just like we have to start off quiet and like start off from like a small little thing and then we can blossom throughout the rest of the class. And like with that particular class, it worked really well. Yeah, I start over the next day because they're kindergarten. <laughs> yeah, I've thought about maybe doing some mindfulness type exercises. And I did suggest that we try um, giving them an outlet for their excitement and their energy and then trying to bring it back in and hone. So, you know, giving them a space to be that use their silly voices and then giving them a space to use their singing voices and things like that. And we did an activity kind of based around that concept and it actually worked. And I thought that was a really great thing that, you know, a student, an idea from the new student teacher actually helped in the classroom, which was really great during my first week. But yeah, no, I feel, I feel like it's going really well. Personally, I think my second placement, I've only had one week there, but I'm excited about the way things are, are headed and it's going to be a good time for sure. Yeah, I think. If I was going to give you any advice on the elementary front, and I would love all of your advice on the middle school front, <laughs> but like honest conversations really work with little kids, mm. younger kids. People often think that like you have to protect them from the world or things that are going on, but they like when you have an honest conversation with them, they feel that trust with mm -hmm. you, and it helps a lot. Like there was one day I was having a terrible day, and I told the kids, I'm like, I'm not having a great day, so I need your help to get done what we need to get done today in music. And it turned out to be one of the best days of classes. And so like honesty with like little, little kids is awesome. Okay, I'm gonna try that. If I give you a piece of advice in return, I would tell you that middle schoolers really enjoy humor. And I'm sure you've already figured that out, but I know that there's a lot of middle schooler, middle school directors that will use humor to their advantage in mm -hmm. engaging the kids and in helping them buy into the whole thing. So. Um, I feel like that looks different for everybody. For me, it takes more of our sarcastic front, of course, sarcasm with, with boundaries, <laughs> but, um, that's yeah. kind of how my, my humor developed in my placement. No, that's, that's a good idea. And like, I see Mr. Adams use humor all the time and I'm just like, okay, I need to figure out how to do that. Like on my very first day, everybody brought in their instrument. They like set the case down next to their chair, but just didn't are putting it together and didn't want to play yet. And he just like walked past them and like pointed at their case and said, your instrument looks like crap right now. And then just walked away. <laughs> yeah, I love the things that like middle school directors can get away with. It's hilarious. Megan has told me some fun stories. So maybe we'll have to have a, a story swap here soon. <laughs> I love that. So now that we've kind of got an update on our student teaching experiences here. We've already asked John the question where his next steps are taking him, but I'm wondering, has that kind of shifted at all since you've gotten through your first placement, started your second, got, gotten through spring break into the second half of the semester? What kind of things are you thinking of right now? Yeah, so my perspective on like what I want to do next has definitely changed. I, I know that like elementary is like definitely like where I want to be and like things that I like 
I really like. But during my elementary placement, I felt I started to lose a little bit of musicianship myself. And so I'm like, hmm, how can I like expand on that? So like I've been thinking a lot about like what kind of K through eight jobs are available so that I can work with both of those age ranges and things like that. Or just like finding different opportunities around and like just making those different connections with people that I've already met before and like, hey, so like, can I like come help with marching band later in the fall after I get done with my school and things like that, just to like build up that musicianship. But I think now I'm like not honing myself into just elementary school. I think high school was something that scared me for a little while, but I think I'm like, okay, I kind of want to get into it again. Or like, I like, I've always loved middle school, but now I'm like, I feel really good about going to either side of the spectrum of elementary or high school. That's awesome. I'm so glad to hear that. It tells me that you're becoming more of a well-rounded teacher. And I feel like that's really important for no matter, no matter the grade level you teach, you know, I hear so many teachers say, oh, you know, God bless you. I could never work with elementary kids or, you know, middle school kids or high school kids. And it's hard for me to imagine a scenario where I was teaching any one of those grade levels and couldn't handle anything else. And I wonder if that's kind of unique to, I could call it quote unquote specials teachers or, or teachers of the arts or teachers of maybe not core subjects. But it's just, it's a very it's something that has just always been on my brain as I could see myself teaching practically anywhere. Granted, I'm sure there's one that I would prefer, but I could see myself being happy in many scenarios. And honestly, I've been thinking a lot about what you said is I want to hone my musicianship more, which is where some of that practicing goal comes in. But I've also been listening to some music and I really would love to be part of Woodwind Quintet again. And I'm thinking that once I get into the area that I want to teach in and kind of have some some presence established there. I'd like to reach out to musicians, local musicians and create a group. That would just be so fun. And I think that would feed my performance desire. Maybe I could do that in addition to a community band. Um, and the goal eventually could be to, to perform in a different setting as well. But no, I like, I love what you said about joining like a woodwind quintet because I really miss playing in percussion ensembles. Those were like, my bread and butter performing throughout college. Cause like as a percussionist, you don't get a whole lot of glorious experience in band or in orchestra, especially. So like percussion ensemble was where like the meat and potatoes were. Yeah. And I miss that. Mm -hmm. So I'll take you, I'll take that advice, even though nobody owns anything percussion wise in this state. <laughs> yeah. It's, it can be challenging, but even just playing duets with somebody or, you know, something you know it's it's hard now because we've had these musical these intense musical experiences at our fingertips for so long and now they're just taken away from us in because you know we, we've done the things we've gone through all the steps and we're at a really awesome place but it's hard not to miss that sometimes oh yeah for sure yeah well, anyway, so you talked a little bit about K through 12, looking at that. How has your job search been? This is this is the meat and potatoes, to quote John, of our of our podcast today. <laughs> well, it's been going pretty well. I, I've applied to a few elementary schools in particular and the K through 8 school. And earlier today, I was talking with a colleague of mine about a really intriguing high school gig that will be opening up 
And at first I was like, ah, high school, <laughs> but like hearing about the opportunity and then meeting with the colleague and like hearing about the program and what his vision is, I was just like, wow, this is like super, super exciting. And it's like also very stressful because I feel like as music teachers, it feels like there's a lot of ambiguity of when the hiring process happens. Yes. Because <laughs> like elementary and middle school, some of the jobs are posted. There's not a whole lot of secondary being posted. And some of the districts just haven't posted like Jack, like Thompson and Pooter haven't posted yet mm. a whole ton with, with their arts. And like, and like, I definitely know why there's a lot of like shifting going around because of all the new schools opening around here. But I'm just like, it just feels like this weird waiting period. And I'm, I saw your reaction on Zoom. So I think you had like a very similar opinion. Yes. So I'm experiencing a lot of the same thing as you are. Um, like you, I've put in a few different applications. Um, I have to say, being a new applicant, um, I kind of struggled at first. I started the application process really early, like in February. I got my first round of applications done at the end of February. And after that, I realized I had forgot to attach supplemental documents like a resume or a cover letter or anything because the application let me submit without anything like that. And I was like, oh. why would they create an application that doesn't require you to have those materials? So anyway, I fixed that. And then a few more jobs opened up. So actually over spring break, I, I spent a few mornings going through the job boards. There were a lot more elementary positions open in the area that I'm looking at. And I'm looking at probably six or seven districts in this place. Um, and one district had a lot more elementary jobs open. So I created cover letters for each of the jobs and I sent it to Dr. Johnson. He took a look at it and, you know, gave me some feedback. So that was very kind. Shout out to you, Dr. Johnson. <laughs> I don't know if these professors even listen to my podcast. <laughs> I should probably share it with them. <laughs> anyway. So I created some cover letters for these jobs and I submitted six new applications with all of the documents and things like that. Um, I have had one pre-screening interview for one district, but there's not really a lot of jobs open in that district. So kind of confusing. I think they just had a pre-screen because I saw I applied and, you know, I asked the lady if there were any concerns about my materials or my presentation after she interviewed and she said, no, it all looks good. So I'm hoping that that's kind of a solid start in, in that, but yeah, I've, I've submitted a few applications here and there. One thing that has really been surprising me is there's not a lot of middle school band positions open right now. And one reason I'm excited, I mentioned earlier that I'm excited for April to come is because I know more jobs have to be posted in the month of April. It's just got to happen, you know. And my goal, right, fingers crossed, is to have a job secured by graduation. So graduation is May 13th. I'm really hoping to have something set in stone, you know, so I can start looking for places to live and figure out what that's going to look like because I'm looking at a move personally. And I haven't told the podcast too much other than, you know, when I was, when we had the very special episode with uh, Kyle and Liz, I did mention that I'm planning to go to Texas. So that will be um, a, a big story for another time, but I am looking for applications in that area. And it Honestly, this job search process is really crazy. Megan and I were talking about it 
not too long ago. And the reason I bring up Megan so much is because we have a book club together, actually, and we're reading a book about teaching and things like that. So I talked to her a lot. But we were talking about the job application process and how it feels scary to kind of watch your colleagues get interviews and, and things like this when nothing is happening on your front or maybe vice versa and how we are already halfway through our student teaching experience and nothing feels solid yet. So it's a time of, of anxiety that could really overtake you if you're not careful. Yeah, I think it's like, it can be such a distracting thing to be thinking about while student teaching. Um, like I was applying for a job during the plan period and Mr. Adams was like asking me a question. I was like, what? And it's just like, it's just this thing lingering in the back of your head, like all the time of like, okay, yes, I'm having fun right now, but like what's going to happen in like three months and I don't have a job potentially. And all the jobs are taken and nothing feels right and I don't know where to live yet like my when like like early February my apartment was like would you like to release and like I don't know yeah <laughs> and so like I signed a lease renewal just in case and like luckily like I read the contract and I'm able to break that contract whenever I want but I was just like it's it's just this weird feeling all the time yeah and that's one thing that I was really grateful for in my previous placement, I had a lot of free time to do whatever I needed to do. And so at the beginning of that placement, I really used that time to practice for the concerto competition. And that was a great use of that time. But once the concerto competition was done, I found myself leaning more heavily into the job search and preparing my resume and things like that. And I did actually use the CSU Career Center for some of that. And I had some good experiences. So I'll, I'll give a thumbs up to that service. It was pretty yeah. awesome. But I was really grateful for that extra time to be able to really kind of put a lot of effort into it about, you know, two months or three months before I really needed to. So now that I'm at this point where hopefully job applications are going to start to flourish even before this podcast is posted, you know, I really hope that that work I've done in the past will continue to carry me through as as the season becomes more busy here in my second placement, because I know it will. Yeah, um, I think. I think in April, like to every colleague that I know has worked in Colorado, every colleague I've talked to, they're like, April is when it happens, but it's like two weeks and then it's done. Like the jobs fill up that fast and like the music part of it. That's I don't crazy. know. I can't speak for the other subject areas and other like education professions, but in music, I always, I hear every year how much it fills up so fast. Yeah, and I'm, that's why I'm really hoping, you know, that, that that will happen for all of us and that we will find those positions and, and have that job by graduation. And I know everybody tells us, even if that you don't get a job in that initial job surge, there's always going to be those last minute positions, but that almost feels more anxiety provoking, especially, for example, for someone like me who's going to be making a large move and I want to feel like I have something waiting for me there that's not just, you know, rainbows and butterflies, you know, something, something's concrete. <laughs> well, so like, I'm curious to like once, well, before I ask that question, like I know that everybody in our class right now, nobody's going to have a problem finding a job. It's just like, like, I know that we're all in the same boat of like, I just want the job. So I don't have to keep thinking about it anymore. And I can like 
start doing my own thing and start flourishing in the way that I want to, which I think will definitely happen. But like, just like with you, I'm like, just like you said, it's very waiting that longer period is more anxiety inducing of just like, they tell me I'm in a good place, but I haven't gotten that second interview yet or whatever it may be. Yeah. And that, like the thing I was going to ask you is like, once you're, uh, once like things happen and you feel comfortable talking about it, like I want to, I want to be curious about like what that experience of applying to a job in a different state is like for you and what that has impacted your life like. Yeah. So applying in a different state feels very different in some ways and very the same in others. For example, I feel like we're all kind of getting our resumes ready, our cover letters, and and just making sure that we're very polished and prepping for those interview questions, I feel is very the same. The thing that's really different is I don't really have many connections there yet. So I can't really talk to someone about which positions are open. I can't really talk to someone about, you know, what is this district really like? Or, you know, we have a lot of teacher friends here in Colorado. So I feel like I could call up a teacher friend and be like, hey, would you tell me the scoop on, you know, this or that? And I actually had a teacher call me up at the beginning of student teaching, completely unprovoked. And she just gave me the scoop on all the districts in Colorado Springs and like what she thought about them, what jobs she knew were going to be open. And that was so kind of her. She's such an amazing teacher. Um, So I feel that I kind of am a little bit behind in that way that, you know, I don't know the exact dynamic of all these places quite yet. So that means I've had to do a lot more research online. For example, there were two high school jobs, job positions posted on this district's website. And so I did some research into them and one was an early college and one was an all girls school. And I wouldn't have known those two things if I hadn't looked them up. And it just, it's very interesting because the early college, right? There was not a lot of information on the fine arts departments at all. So I'm really not sure what their band program looks like or what their art program looks like or anything. I'm having a hard time finding any information about them, which means it's going to be more challenging to write a cover letter, more challenging to know like, oh, do I think that I could really help here, you know, or something like that. So it it means, right, since I can't rely on that word of mouth or or my understanding of what a district has been like, I really have to do that research. But it also means that I need to, to kind of be more proactive about the job search. So, for example, this last spring break, I created a spreadsheet to keep track of all the jobs that I've applied for. It has categories like the name of the job, the job ID, the position, the title, yada, yada, or the, the date that I found the job and the date I applied for the job. It has a category that I added, which was, um, have you sent an interest email to either the current directors there or the principal or whoever would be best to contact about that? Date of the first interview, date of the thank you note sent or thank you email type thing. So really, I feel like the experience of applying in a different state hasn't been that different quite honestly, than applying here in state. It's just the level of knowledge I feel is different for sure. Yeah. Well, I think if anybody can handle it though, and like clearly what like you've talked about, you're the one to do it, which I think is really awesome. I think you're very proactive and you like, you get stuff done and you know that you know what you need to get done 
when you have something set out for. And Thank like, you. that was obvious in your last <laughs> little there. And I was like, she'll be fine. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, she'll be fine. No worries. Yeah, honestly, I've I've been taking a very specific attitude towards jobs. And I feel like it's something that we all need to think about. Um, granted, the little bit of anxiety, sometimes anxiety isn't a bad thing when it pushes you to do something, right? So the anxiety that I had on last Tuesday night when I was like, oh my gosh, one of my colleagues has two interviews lined up and what am I doing with my life other than watching a TV show right now? And that <laughs> that made me want to go do this you know, spreadsheet and apply for those jobs the next morning when I spent like three or four hours on, on this job stuff. But the little bit of anxiety is good in the sense that it's going to make you do things, but you also can't let it like take over your life. Right. So I have this mindset right now where I'm thinking of all of the things that are possibly available, you know, and thinking about the great state of Texas and how big it is. Right. And this can be applied to practically anywhere. Right. There's, there's a teacher shortage right now. We all know that, you know, and music teachers are going to be needed. And we as CSU graduates are really fantastic candidates for these positions. So I'm keeping this in mind. I'm keeping up the thought process that there's going to be jobs open. That's my first thing. There's going to be jobs open and I might have to wait, you know, at this point, it's only like five days until those jobs hopefully will be open, but might have to wait a little bit. Right. But the second thing I keep in mind is we are fantastic candidates. Like we've been put through the ringer sometimes with our music education program. So we really hopefully know what we're doing, right? So my thought, one, right? There's a lot of jobs open. Two, we are awesome people and very qualified. And three, a lot of us are really devoted. And so we're not going to stop. We're going to be persistent. We're going to be determined. And honestly, I get a lot of these thoughts from my clarinet mantra, which listeners, if you remember, I talked about very many, like many episodes ago, you can find it on the Instagram page. So go look. But all these three things combined, right? That's my confidence knowing that I'm going to get a job sometime because I have these three great opportunities. There's going to be a job out there that I will get. And it might not be a perfect job. Like it might not be my dream job, but that's okay. You know? It's like, our first year. Of course, it's not going to be our dream job. <laughs> oh, my gosh. No, we're going to have such a terrible first year, but it's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. Bob and we're teaching. You know, and that's one thing that I hope this podcast will serve us with is, you know, I originally created this to keep log of, you know, how student teaching went and how the first few years of my career is. But I was sitting here talking to you today and I realized, you know, I really hope that this podcast even though it's not something that any of you signed up for, could be a way to keep us all linked together in the future, you know? No, I think I think it's super special. And even though, like, I've listened to podcasts with more than, like, four people, and it's really annoying, because <laughs> I don't know who's anybody's voices is, but, like, we should just, like, do a whole podcast near the end of our degree with all of the, the seniors and just talk about life and where we're at. And, like, one of my favorite things during student teaching is having those seminars with each other because like we're all busy we're all stressed we're all confused about everything and anything but like those zoom calls with all of us is like a nice little pick-me-up and i think other people feel the same way it's just like i miss my gang yes and it's nice to be around each other yes it's so sad that we can't do them in person but it's also very convenient to do them online so i'm not complaining <laughs> yeah much as I hate online, it, it is convenient. Like I had a Zoom call with Mr. Adams today. I'm like, you know, thank God for Zoom because I didn't want to drive 45 minutes to Longmont to mm -hmm. have 
a two hour Zoom or a two hour meeting and then drive back. Yes. Yeah. I heard that you went painting with your elementary cooperating teacher recently. I did. We wanted to do like a little celebration to like put a capstone on the end of my student teaching. And one of the things that we did during um, my elementary placement was we did a K, a kindergarten and first grade program. And kindergarten's theme was about the sun and the first graders was about the moon. And so like, it was just like this cute little thing. And we were looking up like those like painting and drinking places at the same time kind of thing. Painting with a twist. (laughs) Sponsor me. (laughs) That would be awesome. And they had this one of like phases of the moon. And I'm like, we sung like three songs about just the phases of the moon. So we know a little too much, like we corrected the teacher. She said the wrong phases of the moon, like the instructor teaching the class. <laughs> We're just like, actually, that's a waiting crest, not a waiting <laughs> And So you were um, that guy. <laughs> we were definitely snobs for a little bit. But let me tell you why it was warranted. We like sat on like her left side of the, like where she was showing us. So anytime she would like show us the next step, we could never see it. Um. She was a romantic person. And I was like, this is a warranted complaint. <laughs> but hilarious. Uh, it's a really, it's a fun painting. I suck at painting, but it is kind of therapeutic. Yes. And like, it turned out like poop. <laughs> I think it looks wonderful. Listeners, I'm going to post a picture of John and his painting on the um, podcast. That'll be our picture for the episode. Um, and I think it looks so cool. That's awesome. Oh. Well, thank you. Yes. But, no, it was it was definitely super fun and mm. just like a nice little way to say goodbye. Yeah. Uh, my cooperating teacher took me out for lunch over spring break, and that was really kind of him. And it was great to see him again and just kind of break everything down and see how the spring break is going for both of us. And, you know, I'm so excited. I'd really love to have some of my cooperating teachers on the podcast at some point. And I think it would be really fun to do during summer, actually. Because during that time, I feel like a lot of people are going to be traveling and and things like that. And I'd really love to have um, their take on things after the whole experience is over. But I don't know. I'll reach out to them and see how it goes. No, I'm definitely curious. Like, I've had those conversations with my first placement teacher about how things went and what that experience meant to them. But, like, I'm very curious to have those conversations with Mr. Adams because I'm his first ever student teacher. Same here. Yeah. My elementary placement, it's kind of yin and yang because at my secondary placement, I'm one of the very last student teachers my cooperating teacher will ever have. He's retiring this year. So yeah. And then at my elementary placement, I'm the very first student teacher my cooperating teacher has ever had. And I love, I actually told her this, I'm so excited to be her first student teacher because I'm like an overachiever. And so I ask questions all the time. So it's probably like a really great situation for both of us. You're just setting that bar super high. Exactly. No, I'm, I'm, we're, we have like a very mirrored experience because my elementary teacher, she's going to retire within the next year. And so like, I'm probably one of her last student teachers and then my secondary place and I'm the first. So I'm like, we're like mirroring each other now. It's, it's great. Funny. It's wonderful. Look at us. <laughs> Killing the game. Yeah. <laughs> Well, John, thank you so much for being on my podcast. It's always a pleasure to see your face. And listeners, in case you don't know, my nickname for John is Sire, as in like 
Sire John. <laughs> well, Natalie, thank you for having me on the podcast again. I, like we were just talking, I really love podcasts and I think they're so fun. They're like my favorite consumption of media. Just because, like, when you have to drive 45 minutes to school every day, you get like a podcast in a day, which is yeah. great. Um, and my nickname, for those of you who don't know, for Natalie is Madam. It used to be Madam Doctor, but the doctor has fallen. But I'm sure at some point in Natalie's life, she'll become a doctor. I would love that. <laughs> no promises right now. <laughs> Not to pressure you into getting your doctorate, but. <laughs> but you kind of have to now. <laughs> I love that. Well, many thanks to John for being on this podcast again. And many thanks to you listeners for listening. I am so excited that you've stuck with us and hopefully you enjoyed the very first special episode last week. I'm planning on continuing those. So just as a reminder, please do submit audio messages. I'd love to feature you on a podcast. I know we've done a lot of featuring of my my colleagues here, but it's so cool to have more of listeners' voices on the podcast. Please don't forget to like and or subscribe and or rate this podcast on Spotify. That really helps new podcasts become found by more people. And while I'm not sure more people will be super interested in what I have going on in my life, you know, it could be really fun to gain more listeners in here. And that's all for this podcast. So thanks for listening. I'm Natalie Morris. This is Next Steps, and we'll see you in two weeks. Bye, everybody.